8.6%. Inflation, baby. Or as many people are saying, January 6th, what? Oh, that was uh, going to be the, the, the biggest story. January 6th hearing, prime time. There were dancing girls and intermission. Everybody got jujubes. It was amazing. It wasn't that uh, amazing. But when you wake up to find you've got 8.6% inflation, the highest since 1981, everything else goes out the window. Because you just realized there's one more thing you can't afford. The minute this information came out, boom, the Dow futures dropped like a stone at one moment. Uh, they were down over 300. I don't even remember where, you know, when the market started. What took place? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's always so good to be with you. I found out about it because I got a text from Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Dr. Matt Will, Dr. Matt Will on the Twitter box, mattwill.com. Talk to me, sir. 8.6%. This is higher than the expectation. What are the big drivers here, and what is this telling you? Well, well, Tony, it's the, it's the highest in 40 years, as you said. But it's a bigger issue than that because the food, food alone was 10%. And this will scare people. Luckily, you're not heating your homes right now. Fuel oil, what you use to heat your home, was up 106%, Tony. Fuel oil. Thank goodness the weather's nice outside and you just have to air condition your home. But that is amazing to me. And, Tony, it's three things that's causing this. Fed policy. The Fed was late to the game. Janet Yellen even admitted they were late to the game. Um, even, you know, uh, Mr. Jerome Powell said he was late to the game. And then fiscal policy. I've seen Democrat left-leaning economists who said even Biden's fiscal policy is contributing at least three to four percent to this inflation number, sending us all that money, all that stimulus checks. And then, of course, Putin's involved here. But this is a small part. The president would like you to think everything here is Putin related, but it's not. That's just a small part of the overall problem here, Tony. But there's so a lot of issues that. in this number that are bad. Let's get to that spending that took place, the $1.9 trillion, for example, uh, that, that, that got spent. You see a lot of people on, on the political left, uh, they are always uh, talking about the importance of the American Rescue Plan. Look at how Republicans are spending money from the American uh, Rescue Plan. Uh, well, the money got spent, the $1.9 trillion stimulus got spent in March of 2021, or it got passed, the money's being put out there. Don't be surprised if people are using the money that they're given. But we utilize this $1.9 trillion as a way of saying we need to get the economy back on track. And for me, there's a tremendous amount of Keynesian economics involved in here. The idea that government can prime the pump and that's going to increase spending and that's going to make everything uh, better, uh, named after John Maynard Keynes, uh, the economist. Has that economic theory ever worked and how does that connect to something you hear about these days called modern monetary policy or modern monetary theory? You know, Tony, the policy has never worked, okay? The problem we have is GDP is calculated using Keynesian math. And, and we all talk about it. You talk about it. I talk about it. So that's the only reason this thing even exists is because we use it to calculate GDP. It's just a mathematical formula that, that Keynes developed, and we've modified it over the years. But it's never worked to do anything other than create inflation. And we see it right now. And modern monetary policy is very clear that it's, it's something you and I talk about every single time we're on the air. It's just stuff and cash. And it's very simple. There's nothing fancy about it. 
And, you know, the, the, the problem is not just at the federal level. It's also at the, the state level, because, you know, you heard about the governor's one billion dollar giveaway that he announced yesterday. Well, that's not helping matters at all. So we're talking about there in, in the state of Indiana, the governor, Republican Eric Holcomb, under pressure, it would seem, to need to do something to help uh, the people of Indiana, Hoosiers, with inflation, took a billion dollars of a $6 billion surplus and is giving it back to Hoosiers. It's going to come to about $225 per Hoosier taxpayer, per Indiana taxpayer. Now, my argument is I never mind when the people uh, get uh, their money back. The question I asked is, is this something that should be happening? Are you arguing that giving people back their money is going to increase the inflation problem? No, or what I'm saying, Tony, is... It's a good idea to give money back, but he's giving it back the wrong way, and it won't change the inflation situation. The, the state government can't control inflation. So what the governor's doing is he's just trying to placate people and make them think he's doing something. If he really wants to do something, Tony, he should eliminate the, the gas tax, because that is the thing that will fuel, inf- fuel eco- economic growth. That will grow the economy. That's a long-term permanent solution, because we talked about it, Tony, it's stuff and cash. Why doesn't he help grow the stuff? Decrease the tax rate on gasoline, pay less at the pump, cause the economy to grow. It's a long-term benefit, but he doesn't want to give up control of your money. So he wants to give you a little tidbit now, just a little bit of taste of money, but it's not permanent and it's not going to help the economy. I, I would argue that we're getting into the conversation of what makes us think government should be in any way trying to control these things. If we have inflationary pressures, our job is to change the policies to create better pressures, which is a political conversation, not an economic one. And I don't believe that state government should be getting involved really uh, in, in any of this. I see more problem than I see solution. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will on Twitter. But I always favor people getting getting their dollars uh, back. The money belongs to them. It doesn't belong uh, to the state. But this number, this massive number of 8.6%, as a conversation historically, you know, you talk about this being the highest in 40 years. You have to go back to 1981. To the extent that you can, set the stage of what led to 1981 because people often talk about parallels and the Biden administration is very, very concerned about parallels being made between the Biden administration and the Carter administration, if only because Carter was a one-term Democratic president. So how do you, what are the correlations? What are the connective tissues there? And exactly what does this 8.6% number mean historically? Well, the, the correlations are very high. I mean, Tony, I'm one of those people that says every recession is different than the previous one. And we try to prevent the next recession by passing laws that actually would have presented, prevented the previous one. But here is a good correlation because we had a, a, a loose fiscal policy at the time. We had a monetary policy that was very, you know, they didn't call it quantitative easing, but they had very low interest rates. Uh, the, the economy was starting to shrink. The only difference is they had high unemployment at that time. That was the only difference is they had high unemployment, and we don't have high unemployment. And there's a, there's a lot of reasons why that is, primarily related to the post-pandemic economic world that we live in. But the parallels are very close. Inflation, government spending, monetary policy, regulation, fuel prices. Tony, you know, back then, remember, you know, it was, uh, it was Jimmy Carter who was trying to get us to go green before anybody. He was the one that wanted to cut back oil production. He was the one that was, you know, fighting with OPEC. So, Tony, there's a lot of parallels other than the employment picture.
So now here we are. We take a look at, at the situation. We have got ourselves uh, this this high inflation. We see uh, that when it comes to, for example, refinance numbers, 75% lower than this time a year ago. We're seeing less mortgage applications now uh, than, than a, a year ago with mortgage rates that had hit 5.5%. Uh, the question now comes to what does the Fed do? You have made the argument on this very show that the Fed has one of two options, raise interest rates or lower interest rates because they can't do anything about the spending. There has been talk about the idea that the Fed wants to make you think that, you know, things are really okay. Maybe they'll just keep interest rates where they are for a little while and try and kind of create the idea that we're turning this all around. Is the Fed going to keep the, the, uh, the rate? where it's at, or are they going to do what they said they were going to do, and we're going to see half-point increases in the next five increases or more going forward? You know, Tony, I hope they do what they claim they're going to do, because when you go back a year from now, you know, they said it was transitory. The administration said it was transitory. Everybody in Wall Street didn't agree with them. So the Fed did not reverse their quantitative easing. Tony, we had, in, we had home prices going up 20% last year. Yet the Fed kept pumping cash into the market by purchasing mortgages. That was insane that they did that. And the Federal and the, the Biden administration spent those trillions of dollars. Now, what have we heard in the last week, Tony? We've heard the, the Fed and we've heard the administration say, oh, we're over the hump. Inflation is going to continue, but it's not going to be as bad. Tony, it's worse than ever today. It's worse than ever. These people have to stop talking to their marketing and PR people and start acting like economists. Part of our problem, before I let you go, I know you're, you're up against it, talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I may have already said before I let you go, but I got another question. Um, okay. Your, your, your conversation is always about goods, right? You, you, too much cash and not enough stuff. We still don't have enough stuff. We have a, a people talking about supply chain issues, but we have no supply chain issues solved. Is there anything that uh, economists are discussing about when they see supply chain getting uh, better? And do they have any fears about supply chain issues remaining exactly as they are right now? Of course. Whether you're a liberal or a conservative economist, they all say that the supply chain problems will continue because the things that could solve it are not happening. The administration has announced more environmental regulations. You can't go into the port of Los Angeles with a diesel truck. You're going to have to start going in with an electric truck, which doesn't exist. An electric semi. There's laws about how many um, you know, uh, carbon-emitting vehicles can go into these ports to pick up containers and the warehouses that they have to go to. This administration is increasing the regulatory burden that would alleviate the supply chain. So instead, their regulatory burden is making the supply chain worse. You and I were talking about this. I thought it would be better by mid uh, this year, late this year. I don't see the supply chain loosening up, Tony, at any time in the near future. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz.